I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, here we go. Pac-12 fans, this one's for you. Put your hands up! This is the Pac-12 Apostles. Keeping it real. And only the truth lives here. Pac-12 Apostles. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amson, and this is the Pac-12 Apostles, the podcast by Pac-12 fans for Pac-12 fans and college football fans alike until, you know, the Pac-12 is no more. <laughs> and we, we then we shall uh, adjust and adapt to just become the best college football podcast there is in the world. We already did that in the Pac-12, so now it's time to do it everywhere else. Well, pretty soon. Uh, but you guys, though. We uh, just finished week four, and now we're heading into week five. But we kind of wanted to, before we even do a review of the week, there is some news in the Pac-12. And one of them is that Pac-12 officials have absolutely started Pac-12 officialing again. Like it's, <laughs> it, I mean, it, it took a couple weeks, but we've already seen, and this week we saw in the Oregon-Washington State game, they messed up the downs, and then Washington State ran two plays, including punting the ball away. Oregon's getting ready to come on the field. They're like, oh, wait, no, 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 no. We, we got to go re- review. We actually messed up the downs. So the reality is, is that you have already impacted. I know what the rules say because the Pac-12 put out a statement. We got this right. We went back and fixed it. No, it didn't. Like, imagine if somebody got hurt on the play. Imagine if there had been a turnover or if there had been. I mean, it was a punt. Like, imagine if it had got run, run back, the scoring play. So now you've absolutely screwed the pooch and it's pretty Pac-12-ish. Even though the AC, even though the ACC already screwed up the Pac-12 on that field goal against Notre Dame, where they said somebody was offsides and nobody was offsides. Yeah, it's very strange also to have the Pac-12 come out and be like, "Hey, we know this was 
an issue, um, but then also not admit that the DJ Johnson targeting call didn't exist. Yeah. Um, I was like, had, how is that? They were there. They're like, well, he lowered his head, bro. How are you supposed to tackle people? He hit him in the chest. Yeah. Like, and, and it wasn't like that, he was, he hit him with this. He hit him with his face. And like, speaking of tackling people, multiple, multiple, uh, USC players tackled. Uh, oh my God. Oregon the holding, the, the non holding penalties against Oregon. Yeah. Dude, if I was Oregon state fan, I'd be turning over tables right now. I mean, they yeah, literally so that, tackled people in front yeah. of the white hat. And that's his area. It's funny that they didn't mess up uh, very many calls in the games that were blowouts, but the close ones where every down mattered, you know, there were plenty of issues. Um, I believe that the officiating as a whole has still been better. Yes, than I would agree. Usual. And you can't throw in that thing that happened to Cal against Notre Dame because those were ACC refs and a ref actually got suspended. It'd be nice if the Pac-12 held officials accountable the way that the ACC does um, for that level of mistake. But it is it is rearing its head and people don't have any patience for it. So you can't say, oh, it's been improved, which it has. And then, you know, because you're holding on to everything that happened in the past. Washington State, because of Pac-12 officiating, pretty much was cost a shot at playing for national championship. Yes. And and like you got you got to admit that out loud. That's wild. I still to this day remember Washington State getting a fifth down against Arizona State and I remember multiple wild as hell calls in that triple overtime Oregon win at Arizona State that all seemed to go Oregon's way. Um and uh and you know it's just there's there's just a litany and list of massive massive errors to the point where they've had to bring people in. Um, more to, consultants to tried to address it. Yeah. More consultants. I do feel like it's been better, but people don't have patience for those type of excuses. Well, we will see what happens as we get into PAC 12 ter- territory, buddy, because we've already seen some rando targeting calls and we will see how they adjudicate pass interference because we know that pass interference is one of those that is not called consistently in the Pac-12 compared to other conferences. So we shall see. Um, and you guys, make sure you, that you leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts so we can, you know, we would we would love to read your uh, reviews. Now, our guy Soulcat has just been posting reviews each week on Twitter. Keeps giving us two stars for our content and he just writes it he, he doesn't actually go to the uh to the like apple site and type in his review he just replies on twitter two stars <laughs> for whatever reason <laughs> so uh, i appreciate it. if it's going to be a two-star review definitely keep it on social facts all right um the next thing is is there was a dennis dodd article that came out and mind you this is on the heels of what we have been hearing and what seems pretty obvious is that there is significant movement in terms of the Pac-12 and and the Big Ten. Greg Flugar has talked about it uh, even uh, and we talked about it last podcast. George Kliakoff is refuting that, saying that UCLA is actually going to lose money which doesn't make sense at all, especially if they add additional teams. 
This is trying to be adjudicated out in the media. The Big 12 came out and said in the in the article that Dennis Dodd put up that that if the Big 10 if those four teams, Cal, Oregon, uh, Cal, Oregon, Washington and Stanford all go to the Big 10, then yeah, of course the four corner schools there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll uh, scoop them up in the Big 12. They'll they'll, they'll definitely come. Like that was very matter of fact, but and I know that the Pac-12 and the Big 12 have been posturing at each other, but that felt like real asshole move right there, bro. Like, like that was like, I'm trying to make sure I'm going to kick you while you're down right now. Yeah, it was an interesting article from Dennis Dodd because it, it, some of the things it just seemed like he was saying as statement of fact, like if the Pac-12 dissolves, then Washington State and Oregon State will have a home in the Mountain West, Yeah, which will and and so that's the first time I've seen that presented and especially in such a matter of fact way it would be really interesting because Jonathan Smith if Oregon State's able to keep him I don't know if he would want to coach in a group of five conference even if that conference would be on the come up because of the dissolving of the that Pac-12. would be tough for him that would but, that would that would be tough because he's going to have options yeah, and him and Jake Dickert, though, they they would immediately become by far the highest paid coaches in that conference. Yeah. Because the highest paid highest paid coach in the Mountain West, can you guess who it is? You I bet you won't be able to get number one or number two or number three, because it's kind of a surprise. All right. So I part of me thinks that it could be Avalos, but then I'm like, no. He's three. He's three. Oh no, no. Avalos is not in the top three. I was thinking of your other Oregon coordinator. Uh, down at UNLV, at yeah, one point oh, five, oh, five oh, in 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 Arroyo, Marcus Arroyo is the number three in the okay. in the conference. So, okay, so oh, um, you would think it could be Jeff Tedford at Fresno State, but I'm gonna go Colorado State because they just got a brand new head coach and San Jose State. No, 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 Nevada. So. Jay Norvell did get a massive raise to leave Nevada to go to Colorado State. If Nevada had the money, they would have been able to hold on to Jay Norvell, but he's making $1.6 million at Colorado State. He's the highest paid coach. Just underneath him is actually Craig Bowl at Wyoming. Really? Is the Yeah, I never would have thought that. He's the second highest paid coach, and last year was the highest paid coach in the mountain West. But if you have Jake Dickert, if you have Jake Dickert and Jonathan Smith coming in there at 2.7 million, does it reset the market or at the end of those contracts, do they, do they become deflated? No, what absolutely not. Is? Because, because those two guys are going to be in hot demand. So it's either you pay them what they're worth or somebody else will. So that, but if someone was to hire a replacement at Oregon state, it, it would probably go back down to whatever Correct. The mountain West, like market Correct. rate is. That's really interesting. Um, so I guess that that would mean the, the that the corner schools would go to the Big 12. But this this seems to counter some of the stuff that you've been hearing in saying that the Big 10 is not interested in bringing in Oregon or Washington or Cal or Stanford because they feel like it would dilute what they've already done. They got their that, L.A. schools and they're good. That is there is no I, I can tell you that makes in addition to it making no sense. It's not true. Because they cannot, I mean, above anything else, they cannot under any circumstances leave USC and UCLA out here all by themselves. They cannot. Like, that is untenable. 
and like you need to and it creates travel issues for the East Coast teams, too. So now you you actually need for them to be able to stay out on the West Coast for like a week, two weeks. That way, then they can just get all their West Coast games in and then, you know, and then resume their normal travel. Yeah, I know how important it is to play the L.A. schools to coaches like um, like Wilcox and Shaw. Yeah, I would I would not be shocked if there's internal pressure for them to to follow. But if the Big Ten is saying it's not worth it'll dilute our product. And because that that when he wrote dilute in quotation marks in that CBS uh, sports dot com article from Dennis Dodd, it sounded like he was quoting somebody. Well, why would you put quotations around diluting the product if you weren't quoting somebody? Because that's something that people have been saying. They're like, oh, it'll dilute the product. How? How sway? How you already have Rutgers in the conference. You you have other teams in the conference that are that are not, you know, like the like you part of the 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 build of conferences is not just to put by far the best teams in there. There's a reason why Indiana, Rutgers, Maryland are Illinois are even Nebraska and Iowa now are cornerstones of your conference or you know very important to your conference because you can't play um you know uh michigan ohio state usc ucla oregon like every single week like that would like that would be too much and you would be putting yourself not in a position not to be in the playoff yeah if i'm the big 10 i think about not just jumping into the pacific time zone but I also think about the mountain time zone. If you're going to dominate, you might as well. Yep. You might as well go after Utah and Colorado or something like that. You know, uh, nobody uh, wants yeah. Colorado right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All boy. right. Um, now on to week four. Now there were games. There was instead of having 12 games, thank the Lord, there were six. And the first game up first game of the day, we had UCLA at Colorado. Actually, first of all, how are our standings right now? I didn't even I didn't even tally them, but I can tell you that I did not well. Um, I'll Dang. have the tally as part of the the article that goes up on unafraidshow.com uh, with Pac-12. You were a few games behind me. I think you're going to be catching up. I, yeah. I can tell you, I can tell you the ones I definitely blew it on. You were on the other side of. So I think you'll you'll catch me by a couple of games. If you're, but we're just talking about our picks contest though, um, that we do on Unafraid Show where we give our five locks of the week. Oh my God. If you are fading my picks, you are about to retire. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm never and I'm I'm like pretty decent. Not the best, but like usually about 55% winners over the last 10 years and I am dying. Like I've had to borrow fake money to even stay in the contest. And you, you going into in the last week, you were ten and five, and I think you had another good week. So you're having like you're on an all time heater. Yes. While I am just so I yeah. If you want if you want to fade my picks and roll with George for a week and see if you might be able to have a nice Christmas, I highly recommend visiting unafraidshow.com for our for our uh, our Friday picks that we put out every week. All right, uh, UCLA at Colorado, UCLA forty five, Colorado seventeen. I said that if. Colorado. I told somebody if Colorado scores more than seven, more than ten points against UCLA, that they should be a little bit concerned. <laughs> but should they? 
It N- wasn't no, close. no, because they added a late fourth quarter touchdown, and I was like, "Oh, okay." You know, they, it, it still was ten, ten points ish. Yeah, it and, was not. It, it, it and not at any point did it feel like this was a contest. And what was extraordinarily patronizing in this broadcast was all of the talk about how good Colorado's offense looked comparatively. Did they have three hundred yards of offense? Yeah. Yeah, that's an, uh, still an objectively bad performance. And they were just gushing. The broadcasters were just gushing over the fact that Colorado could get a first down. <laughs> yeah, because they hadn't been able to. They have now they're now on to their third quarterback. So JT Shrout didn't throw a pass, obviously, and neither did Rice. And they went with McCown. You keep calling him. You keep calling Brendan Lewis, Brendan Rice because oh. of the Brendan. <laughs> and they were both at Colorado, but uh, yeah, Brandon, yeah. Brandon Lewis. Yeah. So yeah. it was nice to see them get through an entire game with, with one quarterback and he didn't look terrible, but he was also going up against UCLA whose defense has been, I won't even Porous. say like Ben don't break. It's just been, yeah. Like there's issues. Yeah. There's definitely issues. Yep. So, but at least UCLA, they came out, they dominated the football game, but they gonna have their hands full tomorrow, bro. And we'll talk about that uh, against, well, not not tomorrow. Sorry, on Friday um, against Washington. Do you think you look at like if it ends up being like this every single week, where Dorian Robin Thompson Robinson throws for a couple touchdowns, isn't turning the ball over, you know, which it's been a couple of years since he had that whole like bugaboo. Um, and then Charbonnet's getting in the end zone two or three times. Are, we're, are we looking at like a couple of Pac-12 first team? Because I know there's a lot of competition at the top right now, but I, I feel like if UCLA's offense, even if their defense isn't doing the job, if they keep going this way, it's going to be re- like someone's going to Oh, the that, best quarterback right? in the Pac-12 so far this year has been, I would say, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Even over Michael Penix. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Oh, geez. Oh, Lord. I forgot about Michael Penix. Sorry. Michael Penix is number one right now. And then Dorian Thompson Robinson after after that. I wouldn't even say Caleb Caleb Williams. I'd say he's like third at this point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he's right around Bo Nix and and um and uh and my and my man out in Utah. Oh, Cam Rising. Cam, Cam Rising, yeah. I think the only way for UCLA, even if even if they have monster monster seasons on the the only way is that they got to they got to beat some of those teams, yes, um, that are that are ahead of them. That's the only way because I, I I think no one's going to care about the stats. Nobody cares about UCLA unless they go out and they actually beat a team with a with a winning record, which they did not do last year. Yep. Outside of maybe Arizona State, so. Um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be really interesting because I they're they're shaping up to have a couple of really monster years, especially Charbonnet, and I have a feeling that with that people will just be attracted to the flashiness and the new kids on the block and stuff like that, and you might see a bunch of people get snubbed. But if I think if they win, I think that takes care of itself. Yep. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 
NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Um, now on to the next game, Oregon at Washington State. This was a game that Washington State fans are like, oh, my God, I can't believe we lost this game. And now I'm not saying this as an Oregon fan. I'm saying this as a football person is that Washington state in this game was relying on too much trickeration. Like, like that they were able to move the ball based upon broken plays and, you know, like fake tossing the ball up quarterback, tossing the ball up to himself. Like they were doing so much tricky stuff and it came back in the, in the end like to bite them in the ass on that on that interception because they they went to that well of that little inside screen which nobody really does like it was a good play but then you went to it one too many times and then when you put better athletes on like like that's where coaching sometimes like players who are better can overcome coaching that's that's what happened in UCLA Oregon State is that there came a point where UCLA's players, because Oregon State couldn't extend the lead far enough, there came a point where their, their players were just better. And then they got a couple for, fortuitous non-holding penalties. And, and, there's the, and there's the game. I left this game looking at Cam Ward as he, he had 375 yards and Washington uh, State had 400 uh, 16 total yards. I left this game not impressed with Cam um, Cam Ward as a passer, but I came away impressed with him as a playmaker. 
because he throws the ball when, when he has to throw the ball on time. Like he he will throw the ball on time. Your slants, like like those quick plays. But when he has to sit back and watch the coverage and all that develop, he doesn't do well at that. And he just waits and runs around until he finds something else open, until he finds an easy throw throw open. And then on the Oregon side, uh, this was Bo. This was like what we've seen from the last three weeks of Bo Nix is nothing what we saw of him in Auburn. Like this is he looks good. He looks mature. He yeah. looks like he's gotten rid of some of the uh, the uh, bad plays, and people would point to that pick, but the ball got tipped. And the ball kind of hung up in the uh, air for the line, the the um, the the linebacker to uh, pick. I think Oregon's running back stable is the best it's been in a long time since going back to like Lamichael James, Kenyon Barter, and um, and black and Black Mamba, D. Anthony Thomas. So they listen. This the the recruiting that was done is paying off. Yes, and I and I to me the difference in this game, um, and Washington State has to be kicking themselves because they really definitely feel like they should have won, um, and the the Brian Ward versus Kenny Dillingham battle, you know, it looked one sided for three quarters, but then the bottom fell out. Uh, but, he, but here, but here's the, the difference. But that's the thing is that is that it wasn't because Oregon finished with uh, like 650 yards of total offense. The in- right is that in the first half, they scored nine points. They scored on every single drive except for the one with the pick and then the one, like, they they were running up and down the field. It was, they ended up kicking field goals. So, Oregon has to fix their red zone offense, but they were marching up and down the field all, all day. Like, they couldn't be stopped. Right. Right, and I, to me, the difference in this game is Oregon has 24 non-quarterback carries at 5.7 yards a carry. That's that's a perfect act. like that's perfect. Meanwhile, Washington State has 15 non-quarterback carries for 2.3 yards a carry. And and Cam Ward got hit seven times. Yep. He got hit seven times. He didn't get sacked a lot, but they were putting hands on him. They were putting a body on him. And I think that that over time can can rally you. I, I love the way Cam Ward looked in this game. As a playmaker, I think Washington State, it's fair to say that Washington State might be a little bit better than both you and I thought yes. uh, they, they would be. But the the resolve that Oregon showed to, to come back um, in this game and the fun that Bo Nix is having, because in the SEC, it, everything's happening through a really tight window. You have to be perfect. You have room to improvise. You have room to make mistakes in the Pac-12. That's what makes Pac-12 football beautiful. It's not like, you know, but big, uh, SEC football feels a lot like this Aaron Judge home run chase where, like, there's so much pressure on every bat to, like, finally get to 61, right? Every offensive possession is like, hold your breath. Can we complete one pass? And that that did not suit Bo Nix well. The, when things are more opened up and you surrounded him with real speedy athletes, not everything has to be super on target all the time. You can get five receivers on the field. There's windows and holes opening in different places. He seems to be uh, showing why he was given a five-star rating coming out of high school. Um and uh, and yeah, I mean, and 
he's got, I think, another year of eligibility after this. So yep. it should be really interesting to see what happens from here. But 11 tackles for a loss from Oregon, seven quarterback hits. The defense is active. They just got to they, they got to find a way to not give up the big play. Yep. Oh, oh, facts. And um, yeah. And like, so I am looking at this Oregon team and I'm like, hmm, OK, OK. It's still hey, very promising. Um, Arizona 31, Cal 49. I did not get this game right for sure. <laughs> um, Cal won by 18 points. First of all, Cal scored 49 points, which is bravo. 49 points for Cal. That is a an absolute win. They uh, Jaden Ott ran for 274 all by himself. 14 yards a carry. Insanity. High and school numbers. Yes, yes. Those are high school numbers. Three touchdowns. They ran for 354 yards. Passed for another 245. Not even sure if they turned the ball over. This was... Oh, yeah. Cal did not turn the ball over. And on the other side, Jaden Delora, he's obviously a good quarterback, but sometimes he tries to force things that don't need to be forced. And I think that that's the next level of his maturation is for him to be able to just like, you know, get to the next play, even when it's a situation to where you feel like your team is losing the momentum. He's got to still find a way to not turn the ball over because this team's defense, like um, Arizona's entire setup is better. Their wide receivers are better. Their, uh, their defense is better. Their quarterback position is better. Like they are a competent football team now. Like they're not a good football team, but they are competent. And if they continue to move in this direction, they are headed for some good things. But what did you think about Cal, who is uh, who is clearly having a better season than what we've seen from them in the recent past? Because they are sitting at uh, three and one right now. I mean, think about it. We, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams in the Pac-12 that have three and one or four and all records. And then a ninth team that's two and two. So we only have three teams with losing records at the through, yeah. through four games. I didn't even, I can't remember the last time we saw that. I think the PAC 12, to be honest, I think they have six really good teams. I don't know if they have an elite team yet, um, but they have six really good teams, three very feisty teams and three teams that are not good. And, and that's a really great place to be as a conference. And I don't want to sound like Larry Scott that year that, you know, people were like, hey, uh, what are you going to do about the Pac-12 going two and seven in bowl games? And he was like, it's the journey that matters. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> but it's it's definitely better to have like you. You also want them to perform at the end of the season. But that year, the teams didn't look as good as they look this year. And um, I, I am proud of Cal for sticking with what was working and not trying to get too. Uh, I think they just kind of stuck with their game plan because Jack Plummer was really struggled in the first half and he finished the game with a pretty respectable stat line. They ran the ball down Arizona's throat, which in the last two weeks, it's over 600 yards rushing that Arizona has given up to a combination of Cal and North Dakota state. That's going to be a huge issue for them moving forward. It's also why I thought that they wouldn't be a bowl team. They are not on the offensive and defensive line. They are not even at power five level yet as Correct. far as 
as far as the skill that they have in the depth. And so um, they have to depend so much on the skill position players. Um, and that's just not a good recipe for success against a team like Cal. Uh, I will say Jaden Delora is really great when he's in the rhythm of the game. Yeah. But when it turns to, we have to stop running the ball because we're playing catch up. That's when you have him on the ropes. It's weird. It's almost like if you took Jaden Delora and Jaden Daniels, you'd have the perfect quarterback because Jaden Daniels oh. seems to be absolute dookie in the rhythm of the game. But then <laughs> when it comes when it comes time yep. to like, oh, everything is on his you know skinny shoulders, then he's Superman. Um, and Jaden Delora seems to be the exact opposite. He's an absolute god when it's you're just running through your plays yep. and, and everything. Then he is on turns the table. into Chan- Chance Nolan when it. Uh... <laughs> All right. Poor Chance Nolan. Uh speaking of this game, uh well Chance Nolan, USC 17, Oregon State 14. This is a game that Oregon State has to feel like they let get away. Oh man. We all should feel bad about this game. Who what person on planet Earth would have called for a rock fight? I I thought it could happen because I knew Oregon State could not win a shootout. They can't win a shootout because they would have to throw the ball too much. I mean, like a shootout if they were breaking off big runs all over the place and everything. But um, Oregon State ran the ball very well. Their secondary was played phenomenal. And they were in USC's backfield. The problem was they couldn't get anything going on offense. And then as soon as Chance Nolan had to throw the ball in crucial situations, and then the announcers jinxed him on the first pick, they said, man, this dude hasn't thrown a pick, even though he's been under a little bit of pressure. As he's saying that, he's getting pressure. He throws it right over the middle to a six-foot-six middle linebacker, which is – which they were gushing over him all game. We've never seen a six-six middle linebacker before. We've never I have seen a middle when he linebacker was on built Arizona like State last year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like so. I've. I, it's very frustrating to watch USC play because you're if you're again I'm a Solomon Bird at Wyoming yeah. fan, and then obviously followed Eric Gentry in his time at Arizona State. And USC <laughs> got ten points off the turnovers. Mm-hmm. Ten points off the turnovers. Off four picks. Four picks. They got 10 points. So this is good on Oregon State, but they have to feel like, I mean, and really it's probably Chance Nolan that probably is going to bear a lot of this this weight because he threw four four picks. Like they weren't, yeah. they didn't go off of somebody's hands and then fall into the defender. No, he threw it to the defender. Yeah. So, you know, so this is a game that Oregon State, they were they felt slighted because of the TV stuff. This was a game that they had the opportunity to win. This this was a setup just like the Miami Dolphins playing the Bills. This was a setup. The Bills were a better team, still are a better team. But it like they they had dudes out there cramping and everything else in the uh, heat and they got them in the friendly confines of of a uh, of Salad Bowl Stadium, Research Stadium, and they had a chance and they blew it. That's tough right there. But for USC, the thing I'll say about Caleb Williams because he was sixteen for thirty six in in the game, which is not good. He was under fifty percent. He does it. He's cool, calm, and collected, and he manages the game really well. So I will give yeah. Lincoln Riley a lot of credit because his quarterbacks manage the game very well. 
And that's what Caleb Williams did. He didn't turn the ball over because they couldn't afford a turnover. If they had turned turned the ball over, it would have been a burrito. Like like Oregon State, it, like that fumble that happened right at the one-yard line, if they don't recover that, Oregon State wins that game. Yeah. I I, I would say that Lincoln Riley in this game, I think the uh, uh, a Lincoln Riley that a lot of Oklahoma fans recognize that there are just some games when he loses the plot a little bit. Sometimes you have to take what they're giving you. And for Caleb Williams to go 16 of 36, struggling against some of those long uh, defensive backs that Oregon State has, which is a thing they're going to run into against their Oregon, uh, against Arizona State this week again, by the way, is just big physical defensive backs, a much less talented team, but big physical defensive backs. When when that's not working for you, but Travis Dye is is able to eat up some yards on the ground, sometimes you just have to take what they're giving you. Yep. And and you you get so convinced that your way of doing things is the right way to do things that you stick with something that is very obviously not working. And if it wasn't and honestly, like if it wasn't for the resolve of Caleb Williams on that last drive, then we're talking about Oregon State with back to back wins um, over USC. Uh, the, the environment that they played this game in was bizarre. I've never really seen anything uh, like that outside like of a, like a half done stadium. Yeah. Yeah. There's some high school stadiums where I cover games where both teams sit on one side um, and, and, and uh, both sets of fans. And it, it kind of had that feel. They had both, you know, both fans. It was, it was still loud. It was, I don't know. It was just a really interesting environment um, for a game to be played. And, uh, and, and Oregon state has a real home field advantage, but I don't feel like they should feel good about themselves coming at no. this. They really uh, failed to take advantage of the fact that Southern California is vulnerable in the run game. Very. And they failed to take advantage of the fact that uh, Lincoln Riley did his one or two time a year thing where he just couldn't coach his way out of a paper bag. He's a fantastic, incredible coach, but sometimes he just gets a little stubborn and, and no matter how ugly it is, like he, he has to be bailed out by the level of talent that he put on the field. Yeah. And th- the, this USC team is way too talented to be winning games 17, 14. Yeah. They are going to run into another issue at Utah, UCLA, like teams that can be physical and run the, run the ball. I think they'll have less trouble with UCLA because UCLA is, secondary does not look like it's up to snuff at this point. Um, Utah 34, Arizona state 13. This was, this game went kind of how I thought it was going to go. I mean, after at the going into the first quarter, I mean, in the fourth quarter, it was 31 to six. Like it was, it was, it was out of hand and Arizona state does not look good. Like, I, I don't even know. They they look short on talent. They look deflated from Herm being fired. It's like the allegations and then all of this has just worn on the entire team. They need to hit the reset button. I don't even know if they can jump up and bite somebody this year because they just don't look good. E- e- Emory Jones is standing back there just standing there. <laughs> I mean, yes. Yep. And I remember we talked about that after the NAU game and I was like, he just kind of stands in. Well, a few games later, that's a huge problem. It's yeah. not courage. It's just that I don't think he knows what to do in the 
in the pocket. He really took some bombs. Yeah, yeah, he did. Right to the chin in this game because he he doesn't do much to avoid the rush. For as athletic as he is, he just kind of stands on the train tracks. Yep. And this was a game that was terrible for Utah, not because of the result, but because they lost Brent Keithy. Yeah. Yeah, that was their best tight end and their best receiving weapon, period. Like that is going to be a blow. And he was murdering Arizona State up to that point. He had four catches for 66 yards and two touchdowns. And I think he went. No, down no, 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 no. That was that was Dalton oh, that was Kincaid. Kincaid. Yeah, Brent, yeah. You're, you're right. My bad. Yeah. So they so they're left with Dalton Kincaid. Um, they they have had receivers step up. Solomon Enos has been on campus for a long time. He's good as far as a blocker, but he's starting to catch some passes. And then uh, Devon Vele is is becoming their go to receiver. I think they're going to be fine. Cam Rising made a couple of throws in this game that were like, wow, like yes. uh, over the you know, outstretched arm of a, of, of a corner um, that, that you thought was going to be intercepted and it goes for a touchdown. Um, the, the throw he made on the flea flicker to start the game um, for the first touchdown to Dalton Kincaid, Utah just looks really good. I thought I'm going to disagree with you. I thought Arizona state looked very energetic. I just didn't think it mattered. They were hitting and flying to the ball on defense and it just, it didn't, it, they, 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 it wasn't a well-coached game. They weren't always in the right position. Yeah. I'm really questioning whether or not uh, Donnie Henderson should be the defensive coordinator through the end of the season, even in on an interim basis when you have a guy like Marvin Lewis who might be able to step in, especially if you're not going to have to recruit because the whole staff is interim. But it, the, the, the defense was out of position, but they played with a lot of energy. Yeah. And another recruiting class me, lost is not good. Another one, yep. And the thing that confused me in this game is abandoning the running game altogether when Xavier Valade came in with uh, three straight 100-yard rushing games. He got the ball eight times. Daniel Nada got it once. And Emory Jones just got destroyed all game long. It was a rough one to watch. I don't think this next week's going to be any better. ASU's just got to – they got to find some way to get through these next three games. Meanwhile, on the other side, Utah looks like the bully in the conference that we thought that they would be. Um, and, and this is with, they, they won 34, 13 with Tavion Thomas missing the entire first half for supposedly disciplinary reasons. So, oh, and speaking of disciplinary reasons, Chris Cartman, your man, um, just tweeted out that one of ASU starters against Utah showed up a few minutes late to practice and he was told to leave. He then left. We used to see players show up late without the same consequences. Another Aguano difference he left before the game and didn't play or no 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 oh, he showed up to practice. practice today yeah interesting yep and he and, and he was told to just leave practice altogether yep, yep. well all right uh hopefully it was not the starting quarterback fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. 
draft experts, and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Stanford at Washington. Stanford... This is not a good football team right now. They're not. You got a good core. They got a good quarterback, though. Uh, no, I'm not a. I, Tanner you don't McKee. think so? He. I am not a. I am throws. not in on Tanner McKee at all. Like, yes, he can <laughs> he make, make some throws. He's a statue, dude. I'm out on statue quarterbacks. There are a bunch of people who can stand back there and and sling sling it around. But the problem is, as soon as there's any little bit of pressure, he's got to he's got to die in the pocket. Like he can't extend any play. Well, very few plays, I should say. He, he, I just and that's he stand- throws a damn good ball. He, he throws does. probably my favorite ball in the conference. He does throw a nice ball, dude. But it, it's going to be tough to win with a quarterback like that. And D- David Shaw has to find somebody yeah. who can be a good athlete, like Andrew Luck was. He could stay back there and sling it, but he he could also get out on the <laughs> two tens, soak it, Hogan. <laughs> He has at a least type. When, he has a type. At least when at least when Tanner McKee takes a hit, you're expecting um you're expecting it to happen. He was sacked eight times, by the way. That's and what that's, a, that's what I'm saying, dude. Well, and he was hit, and this is this is gonna be the funniest stat for you. He was hit on no like no place where he was actually able to get rid of the ball. Never happened. Not once. Usually somebody who's under pressure all day, they get sacked four or five times. They're also hit another 10. Yep. He, he did not. He yes. Did not get yes. Hit. If you the touch only him, time you he got hit him. in this game, he was taking. Yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> so that's I, exactly I, my point. <laughs> I'm with you there. Yeah. Yeah. And now they've lost Smith. They're running back for the year with an undisclosed closed injury. That hurts because he's dynamic. He's yeah. definitely dynamic he's i think their most important player on offense of the of all the skill position players um 
Michael Wilson had a huge game, six for 176 and two touchdowns. But now let's talk about them dogs, boy. Them dogs. Kalen DeBoer has them dogs champing, bro. They champing at the bit. And it is it is so enjoyable to watch Washington play football right now. This is a – I'm not sure how good this football team is yet, but they are explosive on offense. Like, they are a nightmare on offense. Roma Duzier – he's running down the field just by people. Giles is making plays. Jalen McMillan. There he is. They have, this is exactly what I expected out of Kalen DeBoer when he got Michael Penix Jr. This is exactly, I mean, he looks like Jake Hayner did at Fresno State. He looks like he took what he was doing at Fresno State, put purple jerseys on them, and 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 slid their slider ratings up, like their <laughs> their uh, talent ra- ratings up. And it's like, what did you expect? Like, I don't think that Washington is going to win win the conference, but their fans should be energized. They should be excited about the future. I am. You, you and I said that we expected them to be at least six and two, maybe seven and one going into the Oregon game. So I'm not surprised by the success. No. I'm surprised by the how, how? good they look. Yeah. Yes. Cause they, but that Michigan they State win doesn't look quite as good right right now after True. they got and my and my son was at that game. <laughs> and it, <laughs> at, in in East Lansing. He was like, Dad, they got absolutely just demolished. On read options. He was like, it was, and and I thought that Washington looks looks fast. They look explosive. Yeah, I'm, they got I'm, big, big physical corners. They have yep. two edge rushers that might be among the top five edge rushers in the conference in Braylon Trice. And, and ZTF is, is back. He looks completely healthy. I yep. thought we weren't going to get him back till the middle of the season. So can you, They're, so are you? And everybody listening, are you surprised at my at my energy surrounding Washington? No, 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 not at all. Because you have always, you even even in your homerism, you have always believed that it's better for like an undefeated Oregon to take on an undefeated oh, Washington. Oh yes, oh yes, and then Shang Tsung style absorb their soul. <laughs> like yes. that's yes, that's your. That's been your mindset from the from from the jump. Like I don't want them to lose every game. No, 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 no. I want Washington to win every freaking game <laughs> until they play Oregon, and then right. and have their fans all excited and hyped up, and then yeah. yay, go sit you down somewhere. With, you weren't without enjoyment in their struggles. <laughs> the no, no, of, of course, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Like. This is definitely uh, uh, better for you when when you and because it, it, it sets I, up I big like games. It, it sets yeah, up I like big it games. It's very rare that Arizona and Arizona State are good at the same time, but I do I do enjoy that. That does make it um, more fun. Is this sacrilegious? Because I was I was watching Michael Penix throw, and I was like, this spiral really reminds me of something. Because like you said, it doesn't have the most zip, but he could fit it in a shoebox, and then it hit me out of nowhere. And I even tweeted it from the Pac-12 Apostles account. His deep ball reminds me of Joey Harrington. And yeah, you would just know, a little like, shot, shot putty thingy. Like it, it's because Joey didn't have the strongest arm in the whole world either. But but Joey was they had good that with timing. Dive, yep. Like 
yeah, where the where where the ball would just perfectly fit in your hands because it had that angle on the way down. The spin was a little bit slower, so you could like see the laces rotate like it was an NFL film slow mo yeah. thing. <laughs> and he just rainbowed his in. And I, I I don't know like how Oregon fans feel about comparing a, a, a Washington quarterback to an Oregon quarterback, but and I'm not saying that he's going to be a, t- a top pick in the NFL draft or anything. I'm just saying that when he when he rainbows that ball down the sideline. I'm like, I've seen this before, and yep. I, it really feels like Joey Arrington to me. Yeah, the, they are going to be a problem for everybody in the conference. If uh, Yeah, they are going to be an absolute problem. And when you look at the the their upcoming schedule, which we will talk about next week in just a minute, but they got UCLA, Arizona State, Arizona, Cal. Dude, um, USC is lucky that they don't play them. In in the regular yeah. season, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it works out for both of them, really. Yeah, it definitely does. All right, um, now on to our power rankings because we have neglected to do those the last couple of weeks. But part part of it is because there wasn't like you you need more information, you especially need more. in the transfer portal era. Yes. I had no idea who these teams were. Exactly. So. Um, We'll go 12 through 7 and then uh, 6 through 1. I, I'll i go first. I have Colorado at 12, Arizona yes. State at 11, Stanford at 10, Arizona at 9, Cal at 8, Washington State at 7, Oregon State at – oh, okay, sorry. We you, you and I only have one difference, um, and that is at 7, uh, where you said you had Washington State. Yeah. I have UCLA. Despite being undefeated, they've shown me nothing that says that they can compete on the level of the teams I have above them. Okay. But other than that, uh, 8 through 12 are the exact same. And if there could be a 13 spot to put Colorado in, I would. (laughs) Okay. San Diego State or Colorado right now? San Diego State. Damn. Colorado, I I don't – I. Colorado State is the only team I think Colorado could beat at dude, this point. They are atrocious, dude. Their offense is bad. Their defense is bad. This is entirely Carl Durrell's fault. When he hired the offensive coordinator that got fired at Minnesota on one of the worst offenses in the, in the country, I said at that point in time, that was going to be the death nail for, for him at Colorado. And it is. He is. There's no way to recover. For, I mean, he would. I mean, I guess there is. He could go eight no the next eight games, but the, there's no chance of that happening. Yeah, um, if you're Colorado, you have to really seriously consider trying to get Jed Fish away from Arizona or Lance Lee pulled away from Kansas because you need somebody with a proven record of taking the worst team in the country and making. If them you're La- Lance Le- Leopold, you ain't leaving Kansas. They will. No, they I, will I, pay you. They will pay yeah. you to because I, Kansas being undefeated right now is the most shocking thing. Yeah, but that, but do you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it, like Colorado, Colorado should genuinely consider dropping a bag on getting jet fish out of Arizona yeah. just because there's a proven track record of taking the worst team in the country and making them competitive. Yep. All right. Um, uh, my number six, Oregon State. Number five, UCLA. Number four, Utah. Number three, Oregon. Number two, USC. And number one, Washington. Okay. Uh, my number six is Oregon State. 
very strong six. Mm-hmm. This is where the big difference between you and me is I have Washington State at five. Uh, st- going to Wisconsin and winning is big um, in my head. Uh, USC at four, Oregon at three, Washington at two, and Utah at one. Okay. Okay. I mean, the potato, tomato, tomato, tomato. Wait. Kind of. Kind. I mean, I, wa- Washington over Oregon. I mean, I'm, I feel like I feel like Washington hasn't shown me any holes yet, and I can't completely throw out the Georgia result, nor the fact that they had to come back against against um, Wazoo, who you have as the seventh best team. Well, um, so that 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 puts Oregon at three. But but I also think that Washington State might beat Oregon State. You see what I'm saying? Because the worst yeah. thing about Washington State is their pass D, and the worst thing about Oregon State is their pass offense. So, so yeah. I think that those teams are really close. and But I do honor your point about UCLA, and I think that this game against Washington on Friday is going to be an absolute, you know, gem. Um, <laughs> how, many of these, how many of these air raid coaches always promise us that they've got a run element, and when push comes to shove, ain't no Washington run element. State completely abandoned it against Oregon, completely threw it out the window. Yeah, yeah. They have no intention of running. Because the air raid, you cannot run. You cannot run in the air raid. But but Lincoln Riley, he doesn't run the air raid. He runs a vert like he runs the power spread. His offense is built in running the football, just just like Chip Kelly's was at Oregon. Like people thought because they were throwing for so many yards that it was built on the pass. No, it's built on the run. And if you build it on the run, then you will then you can have some success. All right. Uh this week though. Washington at UCLA. That game's on Friday. Hate Friday night games. Weird results happen, so you know what that means for Washington. Down goes the historically, that would say down goes the Huskies. Um, what is the line on this game? Getting the lines pulled up now. Um, I've, I've basically I've just stopped paying attention to the lines, knowing that I'm just going to get the correct. No matter what. <laughs> All right. I So it's weird because this feels like a different year in the Pac-12. And ordinarily, we, we would get a weird result from these games. I'm not going to do that. I think that Washington actually wins the game. And uh, we will see about this spread, though. It is Washington minus two and a half on the road. Believe it or not, Washington minus two and a half on the road. That's believable. So, uh, ooh, I'm going to take Washington because I think that they win the win the football game. But uh, this game is going to tell us about a lot about UCLA because their their beginning of the season yeah. schedule was absolutely atrocious. It was atrocious, and we will see how many people show up to the Rose Bowl on a Friday night in a big game against a ranked team, two undefeated teams playing. This is the game that fans should show up at. I agree. I, I you I would hope that they would seven thirty at night in the Rose Bowl. It, 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 no excuses. Um, we will. I guarantee you, for the second time in his college football career, start to hear the H word if Michael Penix Jr. has another yes. fifth consecutive three hundred yard passing game. Which, by the way, I wanted to bring up that Arizona State has now gone twenty three straight games without a three hundred yard passer. The last one happened against your Oregon Ducks to keep them out of the college football playoff. Yep, yep. And and they may have had the playbook, so, you know. 
right. Uh, who do you have in the game? I like Washington. Uh, UCLA just hasn't shown me. Um, if they, if they they can't afford the slow start. They, no. they will get they will get yeah, Michigan they will get stated. Yes, um, correct. If they have a slow start, that is a hundred percent right. It, so and they started I, slow in pretty much every game. I think this game could come down to a field goal if if UCLA comes out hot. Um, but if they don't, I think Washington can put the foot on the throat. Yep. And I, with, with with the athleticism of these edge rushers, Dorian Thompson Robinson is really going to have to put this game on his shoulders and get out and run. And that's where I think that UCLA could hang in. So I'm not 100% sold on Washington minus two and a half, but I'm going to take them. Yeah, I, I think that the chances are better that Washington State can blow them out. I'm sorry, that Washington can blow them out than, than UCLA blow blow them out. I don't even think that that's an option. Yeah, and mm-hmm. in a close game, I still probably trust Washington a little bit better because UCLA started slow. All right, Oregon State at Utah. What is the line this on this game? On Pac-12 Network. Yeah, another, another Pac-12 Network game that should probably have a national audience. Utah is favored by 10 and a half. Give me, give me the Utes. Give me the Utes. Really? Oh, yeah. They, uh, Chance, Chance Nolan is going to be forced to throw the football. Un, it, but if Oregon State can stop Utah's run, then that 10 and a half is not, is not happening. But if they can, if they can, if, if Oregon, if, sorry, if Utah jumps out a little bit, like 14, 14 0, you know, 10 3, and then it goes to 17 3. Yeah, this, this, this game is going to, that, that they're going to end up getting choked out. So I'm going to go with Utah. Okay. I'm going to go At with home. Oregon State. I just, I think there's going to be a slight adjustment with no Brent Keithy and, um, and so I, a 10 point win makes sense to me, but anything over 10, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure that I'm willing to go with that. So I'll take Oregon state and the 10 points. All right. Cal at Washington state. Cal at Washington state. I want to let you guess on this one. See how close you get to it. Okay. I think Washington state should be favored by three points. It's four. So that they're almost saying this one's a, pick them uh definite overvaluing probably of what cal did against arizona but this feels like the biggest trap line of the weekend because if cal comes out with that same commitment to running with Jaden ott then they could muddy this up and possibly keep it close yep um i will take washington state I will go with you on Washington State minus four. I, and again, I do not feel great about it, um, but this also could be the this also could be. Um, we don't know much about this Washington State coaching staff, and this could also be the game where the bottom falls out, where where that little bit of adversity against Oregon causes you know a yep, whole bunch of it where they get beat twice. <laughs> from, yeah, from, yeah. from one close loss. Yeah, and and Cal is not that type of team. Like they don't they 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 kind of have their head on their shoulders no matter who they're they're going up against, and they are what they are. So I will say Washington State, but I do not feel good about it. Yeah, uh, that, I one hundred percent agree. All right, uh, Colorado at Arizona. It is minus seventeen and a half. I can't believe it's not minus thirty seven and a half. 
one of these teams can score, one of these teams cannot score. Yeah. Do you yeah. think Colorado has the patience to try to exploit holes in Arizona's run defense, or do you think they're so bad offensively that Arizona is going to be able to get get healthy against them and, and figure out some of their flaws? I, I think that Arizona is going to have a good game against this team. That yeah, Arizona's favored by 17 and a half. Do you realize that Arizona the can you could you imagine a world last year where <laughs> where somebody told you last year that Arizona State next season would be favored by 17 and a half points and they wouldn't have gotten like 30 transfers. Just two weeks ago, they were the underdog at home against an FCS team. So no, yes. I wouldn't have thought this two weeks ago. <laughs> exactly. Um but it is uh, it, it is a testament to Jed Fish and everything they've accomplished. Um, I'm rolling with it. It's going to it's going to be 91 at kickoff. Like yep. Colorado is probably going to be out there in black uniforms in the sun. Um, it's going to be a rough one. Yep. Well, it it is a, it is a night game. Well, it start, starts at six thirty. So yeah, know. it's still pretty brutal yes. for that first hour and a half, though. That's a fact. <laughs> All right, uh, Arizona State at USC. 25 and a half. This is the biggest in-conference line I've seen in a while. 25 and a half in favor of USC. So you're saying a four-touchdown win? No. Oh, God. No. Utah, Utah beat the hell out of ASU, and they only won by 22. Also, you got to factor in USC hasn't turned the ball over yet. I think that ends this week. I think Um, because you got to turn it over some point, right? Uh, But it's at home. It's in the Coliseum. Okay. It's almost at every position. USC is markedly better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Would you give them four touchdowns? No, no. I think that they they slip up. They win this game by 24 points instead of 28. So I'm I'm going to ride. I'm going to ride with you on it because 28 is so much. And if it happens, I mean, then that it should it happen. That's a different question. Should USC be Arizona State by four touchdowns? Probably. Yes, probably. Will it happen? Uh, I don't. Think, I just don't think so. I, I think that USC has been playing with fire in that, like, they they have this turnover margin and this streak that they're on that's not super sustainable. You can't depend on it, and they haven't been capitalizing on getting those turnovers when they do get them. And at the, at the end of the day, Arizona State does still know how to muddy up and slow down a game. Um. 25 and a half seems insane to me. 24 is perfect. I'm going to go with you. Yep. All right. Uh, Stanford at Oregon. This game's on FS1. It's an 8 p.m. kickoff. Yikers. How many yards do you think Tanner McKee's going to throw for? <laughs> if if Cam Ward threw for over 400. No, he threw for like three something. I think, right? Oh, okay. I thought he threw for 400 yards. Okay, I'll tell you the exact Maybe that was Bo Nix, though. Maybe that was Bo Nix. Yeah, yeah, that that was Bo Nix. Okay, let me tell you the exact stats because we, we said it earlier, but let me. Um, Cam Ward was 375. Bo Nix was 428. 
Okay. Okay. So do you think Tanner McKee equals or betters 375? Because you have to figure they'll be down. He will be down. significantly less. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He'll be at about 289. You don't even think he'll have a 300-yard nope. passing game? Interesting. Nope. Okay. Nope. All right. Well, how do you feel about the line? Oregon minus 17 at home. Like it. Like it. Yeah? Yeah. I, I, I think that's pretty on the nose, though. I think it's pretty on the nose, but I'm still going to take Oregon. I think that they end up with a three-touchdown victory, like probably about 20 points because David Shaw is going to kick some field goals for for sure. So, (laughs) yeah, so I'm going to go with 20 points. So I think that I've got Oregon in this game. Yeah, I'm. uh, there's so much pressure right now on on, uh, Oregon to keep up with Washington, and there's a lot of pressure on Kenny Dillingham to put together a resume. And you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Um, I think that they respond to that pressure, and I think they cover the 17. Okay. I agree. All right. Uh, So we are in store for a really good weekend of Pac-12 football. You guys leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure that you tell a friend. Share it. And, uh, yeah, and come, come back next week. Peace out. Catch you guys later. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.